we can step fully into who we are and start to assure ourselves that, you know, I'm okay the way I am. And if I'm working someplace that is not going to allow me to be that, maybe it's time for me to look for something that's a better fit for me. Hey, I'm Harrison. When was the last time you had a deep, meaningful conversation with somebody? If it's been a while, don't worry, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to open your mind to new perspectives and topics in the realms of health, personal growth, and well, life. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. My name is Harrison King, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in here today. This is going to be a great episode. I'm very excited for you to hear this one. I think I say that a lot, but it's because these these episodes are just so great, and I'm so happy that you're choosing to listen to them. I mean, this is your choice. You're putting your personal growth and learning and health and well-being and all that stuff you know, you're, you're making it a priority and that's really important. Something I value and obviously something you value. So just thank you again for being here today. The last thing I will say is that I got these glasses on. And if you haven't listened to the recent episode of the show, you won't know what they are, but these are na- my natural blocks, blue blocking glasses. And if you're here, cause you want to you take care of your health, obviously, and your well-being, you definitely want to get yourself a pair of these. It's going to help you improve your sleep. Get rid of headaches and stuff when you're on your screens. Get rid of that blue light. All kinds of all kinds of stuff. So head on over to naturoacademy.com. That's right. N-A-T-U-R-O academy.com. And uh, you can choose some of these glasses, the natural blocks. And when you check out, I'm here to help you out, guys. You can use the code Harrison10 when you check out. You're going to get 10% off. And uh, I, I highly recommend get these. These are the best blue blocking glasses, blue light blocking glasses. There we go. <laughs> In Canada. So uh, even if you're not from Canada, you definitely want to get them. They're great quality. Now, this episode is going to be phenomenal. You're going to love it. I chatted with Terry McDougall. All right. Terry Boyle McDougall is an executive and career coach and CEO of Terry B. McDougall Coaching. So she's a coach. She's working with executives and stuff like that. She helps high-achieving professionals remove obstacles that keep them stuck so they can enjoy more success and satisfaction in their lives and careers. Of course we want that. You know, she's helping people and she's definitely got a lot of great things to say. Before she was a coach, though, before she became a coach, she was a long-time corporate marketing executive where she led teams, developed strategies, and advised senior leaders to drive business results. So she's done it. She's lived it. And now she's helping other people kind of approach it in a better way and 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 just really fall into their potential right uh she also has a book she's the author of winning the game of work career happiness and success on your own terms and if you want to listen to another podcast uh, after you listen to this episode and you go wow i love what terry had to say you can head uh, head on over to the marketing mambo podcast and she hosts that so that's a little bit about Terry. This conversation is phenomenal. Um, she's such a different thing than what we normally do. Uh, not really super different, I guess, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit different, I guess, because we're talking about more career things, and it's not something we really touched on. And that's why I want to touch on it because we're here talking about life, everything, right? <laughs> Absolutely anything is uh, is possible to chat about on this podcast. So that's enough of me rambling. Thanks for sitting through this and for listening. And uh, let's dive right into my chat with Terry McDougall. Uh, Terry, thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited about this talk because it's going to be, uh, it's definitely something a little different than we've chatted about before on the show. Um, and yeah, thanks so much for being here. And before we start, I would love to hear 
about you, your story. You've had more than 30 years of kind of corporate business experience. 15 were senior management roles, which is phenomenal. And uh, you decided to kind of change things up, switch it up a little bit. And now you're doing a lot of coaching and, and focusing on helping people in those positions. And I would love to hear what made that switch and and kind of how'd you get to where you are today? How did I get there? Well, how much time do you have here? <laughs> um, well, as, as you mentioned, I am an executive and career coach, and I, I've written a book called Winning the Game of Work. And before I switched over to become a full-time coach in 2017, I did have a 30-year career in marketing. And, you know, how did I find myself there? That's a good question. I um, just kind of fell into it in the beginning. I got some advice to um, get this book called What Color Is Your Parachute? and do the exercises in it. And uh, that kind of led me in the direction of marketing. And my first job was at a publishing company. And then I just, you know, I was an ambition sort of girl and I just kept wanting to move up. So I was reading books and observing and trying to figure out what do I need to do to keep moving up in my career. And quite frankly, a lot of times I could not figure it out. I, I felt like I was doing the right things and I wasn't really getting the progress that, that I wanted. Um, that did lead me to go back to business school when I was in my 20s. And that definitely helped put me on a different trajectory and it led me to uh, working in financial services in the marketing arena. Um, I was lucky along the way to have a couple of really good mentors, one in particular that I described that what he did was it was really like pulling back the curtain on what was really going on around me. And, um, you know, so that really helped me to sort of figure out how to navigate within the corporate world. Um, but in my last role or my last company, I was there for 12 years and I had four different jobs in that time. And uh, I was just telling you before um, we hit record that it, it's a Canadian company and here I worked here in the U.S. And just over the course of the time that I worked there, they really started sort of pulling more of the decision-making up into Canada. And so as I looked around, I didn't see as many opportunities for advancement here in the U.S. And I felt like I'd pretty much done what I wanted to do with that company for those 12 years. So that led me to start thinking about, well, what's next for me? And I suppose I went back to the beginning, that advice that uh, my boyfriend's mom gave me at the beginning of my career, which was, you know, what are you good at and what do you like to do? And when I, when I really thought about that and thought about, you know, even my, my uh, job as a marketer, what was always really important to me was helping people, you know, even though I was developing marketing to help the company, it was really important for me to feel like <clears throat> I was helping that individual, you know, so the head of the business or, or somebody in sales, helping them to be more successful. And then I also had always done a lot of coaching and mentoring of my staff. And I gotten feedback that people appreciated it, that it was making a difference in their careers. Um, my employee engagement scores were high relative to the company average or even within marketing. So, you know, I, I thought, well, maybe that's that's kind of the direction I should go in. And I discovered this uh, coach training program that I went through and I got certified. And uh, I didn't initially think that I was going to do it full time. I thought, oh, I'll just get another job and I'll do this on the side. But um, I decided, why not? <laughs> What's a better time than now to, you know, really make a, a big pivot and do something different? And I'm four years later and I'm, I'm loving it. 
That's wonderful. And I like to hear just from anybody that you focusing on that, you know, what, what makes you happy? What do you want to do? And, and making that, I mean, we spend so much time working and all this stuff might as well do something you love. Right. Um, I want to really get into kind of the balance between success and achievement and that side of the, the corporate world or whatever kind of work and balancing that with, like you said, being happy and, and our personal lives and, and that thing. Cause it's something I struggle with. I think a lot of people struggle with. Before we get into that, I want to I want to hear um, how do we kind of determine what success is for us personally? Because it's obviously a different thing for everybody. Um, and how do you kind of help people figure out what success is to them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it really begins with getting clear on what your values are. Um, and that that can really be uh, a guide to developing a roadmap to getting to a place where you're going to be happy with what you're doing with your time and energy every day. And it, it can be very easy to fall prey to what we feel like society is telling us about, you know, that quote unquote success, right? We see a lot of the external trappings of success on television and, you know, people driving fancy cars or Instagramming their vacation in Maui. Um, you know, and, and we can get really sucked into this idea that success is about money. It's about, you know, your house or your car or what kind of clothing you wear. And, you know, that that can really end up being very hollow if you follow it. And that's, you know, your your values are, are not aligned with that. Um, and there are a lot of other aspects to life that we should probably take into consideration, you know, like, how do you, what do you like to do? You know, what are the things that get you excited, you know, and, and is whatever you're doing for a living enabling you to live in that way? Do you have enough time to spend with your family? If you've got a family and that's important to you, you know, or if you're creative, do you have time to create? Yeah. Yeah. Focusing on, um, those, those things that you really value and seeing, first of all, analyzing your life situation and say, where am I putting that time? Am I, am I putting my time into those things I value? If I'm not, how can I change it now? It can become hard for people when they're stuck in a, let's say a nine to five job and maybe they don't, it's not really lining up with their values. How do you start to incorporate that in? If you can't just go, I'm abandoning this, I'm going to be a full-time painter, right? Sure. That's not really realistic <laughs> all the time. Yeah. 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 How do we kind of and, and, incorporate it? Yeah. And, the, you know, and the funny thing is, is that success, you know, the outer trappings of success and, and competing and all of that, that's important to me. I mean, I'm, that's just sort of part of who I am. And so when I talk about what I do, it really is about expanding the overlap between professional success and personal happiness. I'm, I'm not going to say to somebody, unless they really want to do this, I'm not going to say, you know, sell all of your earthly possessions and go on, you know, some kind of trek to India to find yourself. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say that, you know, if, if you want to do that, that's great, but I'm not, I don't encourage anybody to do anything in particular. What I encourage them to do is get clear on what their own values are. And there are a lot of values assessments out there. You could probably go Google one right now and get some clarity on what's really important to you. I have some that I use in my, in my practice and it helps to sort of create a lens through which people can look at their 
lives. Because a lot of times I'll see that people say, well, you know, professional advancement is a high value for me. I really want to do that. And at the same time, they're saying that time with family or time in nature is really important to them. And if they're working 80 hours a week, that means that, you know, one of those values is, is trumping another value. And so it's, it's just about awareness and it's about choices. Um, when, you know, it's very easy to get kind of sucked into what we think is expected of us at work. And that's also something that I'll work with people on is, is to realize like what power do they have in their role? A lot of times people feel like, well, I, I have no power, you know, I can, but we actually do. We, we are able to set boundaries and it might not, you know, be coming in and, you know, putting our foot down on day one, but it can be saying like, I need to leave early today to go to my kid's sports game. You know, um, it, it can be making a decision that you're not going to check your email on the weekend. You know, sometimes, and, and we may say to ourselves like, oh, I can't do that. The reality is that we are always at choice. I'm not saying that there's not going to be some consequences, but we can choose to live with those consequences. And it might be like, okay, you're going to get, you know, a one and a half percent raise next year instead of a 2% raise. But maybe that half percent is going to be worth it for you to feel a little bit more ease or to feel like you've got your weekends to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing is it's, it's about prioritizing our values, but trying to make them even across the board a little bit or, or finding at least the ones, you know, that you want to put time and energy into. Cause like you're saying, if it's like you really value work, but you're working 80 hours a week and you also value your family time. I mean, you're not, they're not on the same level and it's trying to make, make that shift. I really like what you said about us having choices because I think it's really easy to feel like in any position, if you're not a, you know, business owner or something where you're the person in charge, which is majority of the population, when, when you're, when you're not, um, it, it's hard to feel like you have control over what you're doing. Somebody's telling you what to do, or you have somebody to, you know, you're reporting to, but we have the ability. I mean, we, we are in control of our minds and, and creating even those mental boundaries. Um, and what are some great ways that, that you found that we can start to do that? Cause it's hard because of our society and things. I mean, we've been trained to feel like this person tells me what to do. I got to follow it, but we, we have to have our own confidence to go. This is at least, you know, we can start to do it. How do we, how do you start to do it is the question, I guess. Well, yeah, the, the first thing is just becoming aware that you do have choices and there is a moment between, you know, a stimulus and the action. And, and that moment is the moment where change can happen because this is the moment when we're thinking something and and feeling something that's causing us to take action and when we like take a moment and say what's going on in that moment you know because a lot of times the actions might not be positive right it could be that you know your your boss comes by and says something and it you know irritates you and it causes you to actually you know, resist the direction. Like you have to look and say like, what am I believing in this moment? Am I saying to myself that he doesn't appreciate me or she doesn't appreciate me? Are are we saying to ourselves, I have no choice. I can't do anything about this. Are we saying maybe what I'm believing is not actually true? 
like a lot of times we'll read into things people say to us. Like if the boss comes by and says, hey, can you get me this report? We might think that they mean they want that report right now. And so then we get mad and we're like, oh, you know, this is this is upsetting the apple cart. I had all these other things I was going to do this afternoon. When in reality, at that moment, you could say, well, hey, boss, when do you need the report by? Right. And it's giving you they might say, oh, I just need it by Monday. Oh, OK, great. And then I can continue with this and I'll just put that on my to do list and make sure I finish it, you know, before next week. And. I, I think it's a lot of times those feelings of not having control and that's our own perception of the situation. It's not the actual situation. And in fact, you know, you might've heard people say that perception is reality. It is a hundred percent because there is no objective reality. You know, it's just all of our own reality sort of like moving around in this environment and us bumping up against other people and responding to the things that they're doing and reading into what we think is going on there. And, and oftentimes, you know, the reason why we might have conflict or misunderstanding is because we don't understand what their reality is and we don't ask, we just assume. Yeah. So it really comes down to, first of all, just open communication asking questions. I mean, people in those positions, specifically what we're talking about, are there to help you, right? I mean, they're, they're there to assist you and, and they want to answer your questions and they want to help you out. So well, sometimes it, it's, well, I mean, <laughs> we're, we're, we're hoping, I guess. We're hoping. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. You hope, you hope. I mean, and, and that's, that's part of, you know, one of the things that I see a lot with people that I work with, cause I, I'm usually working with people that are pretty driven and high achieving is that if they run into an obstacle, their first instinct is to go through that obstacle, to work harder, to, to go faster, to try to do more. And then they get exhausted and frustrated because they're not making progress. And what I encourage people to do is that if you've run into an obstacle several times and you can't figure out how to get past it, don't keep doing the same thing. Step back and start thinking about like, okay, what factors involved in this situation might be different than what I'm thinking they are. Like maybe the boss doesn't need the report right away. Maybe I don't need to do this. You know, maybe there's another way around this. Maybe I can get somebody to help me. Maybe I can ask some questions. Uh, maybe I don't need to do this at all. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I, that's one of the things I see a lot with people that they get really uh, stressed out because they'll tell themselves, I have to finish everything on my to-do list. And oh my gosh, there's not, not enough time in the day. And you know, one of, my, one of the observations that I've made um, is that work will completely consume your life if you let it. Like you can find something to do to work 24-7, 365 days a year. You can find something to do. So just think of it this way. Like if you decide that I'm only gonna work 40 or 45 hours a week or whatever you decide, what are the highest value things that you should be investing your time and energy in? And then if there are things that don't fall into that amount of time that you've decided to dedicate to this, how else can they be achieved or do they even need to be achieved? Right. You know, maybe you're at work and you're like, Oh, that, you know, that kitchen, uh, the kitchen cupboards in the break room are really a mess. So, <laughs> yeah, 
um, that's not your house. You don't necessarily need it. But I've seen people that are like, oh my gosh, I have to clean out the refrigerator at work. And I'm like, really? Um, maybe you could come up with a different way of doing that, you know? Yeah. And it really comes back to, like you said, prioritizing things you value even within your own work or what, what needs to be valued, I guess is the thing. You said you work a lot with overachievers, which I think is very common in this realm. I would put myself in that category. So I'd like to hear, based on your experience, you've been doing this for a while. What are some of the common things you see that are, that are just common amongst overachievers and, and kind of, I don't want to say mistakes because that's not a great word, but things that we're doing, maybe mindset, you know, things that need to be shifted or whatever that would help just with overall happiness, success, everything. I'm sure you, there's, there's things that are happening to everybody, but I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the um, common things that I see is that when an overachiever gets promoted, they don't mentally promote themselves a lot of times, meaning that, you know, they say, okay, well, I was successful at this level. So I'm just going to keep doing the thing that I was doing at this level, even though I've been promoted to this higher level role. And I think that that shows a blind spot in terms of them not seeing things from the new perspective and recognizing that they have access to more resources at this higher level. And that in order to, you know, fully inhabit that role that they've got to use, they've got to become aware of and use the resources that are at their disposal. And the reason why people are given higher level roles is because, you know, somebody believes that if they're entrusted with resources, that they're going to get the highest return on those resources, including themselves. And that's a huge mistake that I see people making, which is that, you know, they'll say to themselves like, well, I'm not above, you know, kind of using that that prior uh, situation, like I'm not above, you know, cleaning out the refrigerator in the break room. And I'm like, well, actually, if you're doing that during work time, you are right, because you're being paid a higher level to do higher level work. And, you know, for the company to get the most return on the investment for you, you should be doing higher level work, you should be looking, how do I leverage all of the resources around me? How do I come up with the vision for the next product or how we make the next big sale? You know, how do I train the people under me so that they step fully into their potential and that they're, we're getting more of a return on investment for what they're doing? You know, so it's a lot of like systems and training and communicating. So everybody is marching in the same direction. And a lot of times people are like, they'll keep doing their old job and, and they'll say, you know, when I'm working with somebody and I'll say, well, why don't you delegate that? Oh, well, you know, it's just quicker for me to do it. And I'm like, listen, even if I'll just give you an example, like if if you're making twice as much as a junior person on your team, which is not uncommon at all. And, you know, if somebody's at a senior leader level, um, or, you know, middle management level, um, if they give that assignment to somebody on their team and it takes the person on the team twice as long to do it, you haven't lost anything, right? But if you do it yourself, there's an opportunity cost there because that means that you're not working on a higher level activity that nobody else can do. You know, if there's something somebody else can do, give them the opportunity to get up to speed on it. Don't just say, hey, I can just do it faster, so I'll just do it myself. Yeah, There's a cost to that. 
100%. Why do you think we can't, a lot of people don't let themselves move on? What's the reasoning behind that? Well, I think that um, when, when we've, when we've achieved a level of mastery at something, it feels good to be a master of something. And it feels awkward to be learning new things that we're not good at. Right. And so sometimes we'll go back to those things that it's almost like a a security blanket in a way like, Oh, you know, I'm really good at these spreadsheets. Right. Like, and I feel good whenever I get the spreadsheet, right. Right. Well, (laughs) maybe your job is not to do that anymore. Right. And so it can feel uncomfortable when you're, you're moving into this new arena that you've never done before. It's scary. Honestly, this is why people hire coaches because, you know, it can be helpful to have somebody in the corner with you to help, help see the things that maybe you don't see. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about drawing the line. We kind of touched on it, but drawing the line between the business world (laughs) and our personal world, personal lives, um, specifically when, when you meet somebody and you ask them like about, about their like you say, what do you do, right? It's the first thing we asked. We we identify ourselves in our society by our work, which if that is, if you're truly doing work that is like what you want to be doing, that's okay. But if you're working at a job and you're like, you're a, you're a separate person, how do we find that? First of all, is that healthy? Which I think I know the answer to. And second of all, where is the separation? How do you make the separation when that's just how, how life, quote unquote, life is? Um, Where's the line? How do you start to make a line? Um, well, I, I think it's it's interesting that you say that that's how life is. That's how life is if you choose for your life to be like that. Um, I mean, I've been at you know cocktail parties or whatever where you know I will ask somebody like, "What do you do?" and they say, "You know, oh, I like to you know do you know car rally racing." You know, like that they choose to define themselves in a different way. Like they might be a lawyer. But they're, this is what the, how they choose to define themselves. And, you know, I guess I would also say that it depends on context, right? If you are at a work event or a networking event and you're there to meet people in your industry, and then it probably makes sense to define yourself by your professional identity. Um, but, you know, I, I think that part of the reason why a lot of times people cling to that professional identity is because they focus so much time and energy on it at the expense of doing things in their personal life. And, and a lot of times that's because we've given ourselves this message that, that we have to do that. And, you know, there's something that I want to touch on. I came across some, some research when I was writing my book, by this guy named Tom DeLong. And he is a, um, he teaches at Harvard business school and he studied overachievers, obviously, you know, like working at Harvard, I'm sure he sees plenty of them coming through. Um, but he says he believes that overachievers are addicted to external validation. And when I came across that, I was like a light bulb went off because I had, I think intuitively recognized this and even in myself had been like, why is so much of my focus going over here? And then I thought back, uh, I mean, over my life, but I see it as a pattern with a lot of people that I work with that they were good in school. Right. And so if you look back and you think like even in elementary school, um, if you're getting gold, gold stars and, you know, A's and all of that on your papers, 
that's reinforcing that behavior, right? You're like, okay, well, I guess I'll stay in and do my homework tonight instead of doing something else because you know that you're going to get rewarded for that. And it becomes a habit with highly achieving people that um, they'll delay gratification. And that's not a natural thing for us humans. Like when we're babies, you know, if we want something, we're going to cry for it, right? Until we get it. And even as young children, we don't want to come in and eat dinner. We're having out, we're having fun outside playing, (laughs) you know, we're like, no, I don't want to come in. I'm having fun. I'm in the moment. Right. But we, we learn to delay gratification and then that just becomes a habit and it gets reinforced, right? If you get into a good university because you had good grades and you get good grades and then you get a good job and then you get in the job and you're working on the weekends or you're staying late or whatever, and you're getting rewarded for it. Right. But there is a point at which you can step back and say, could I get the same impact or, or, you know, close to the same impact by investing less? Are there different ways that I could get, you know, the same or even maybe even better results by doing things differently? And I do think, again, that that requires stepping back. And I, in my book, I talk about looking for leverage points. Right. And not um, and like this is a little bit of an analogy that I use is that somebody who you know doesn't promote themselves to the next level. That's like a brick mason that decides that they're, they're going to go pick up the bricks one by one and bring them to the job site. Right. It gets the job done. It's not a very efficient way to do it versus taking the wheelbarrow over and loading it up with bricks and then carrying it over. That's, I mean, uh, a wheelbarrow is a a lever. Um, And that's what you need to do is like, look for where are the places that I can do more with less could be building systems. It could be negotiating with another department in your uh, company to have a, a cleaner exchange of information or reports or developing more of a process right and and that requires stepping back so that you can see the bigger picture and uh you know these are the things that we can do to you know maybe make things easier on ourselves yeah so we have more time for sure i find it interesting that you talk about um kind of this education system specifically because i've thought about this especially recently um and and how i mean the way I don't want to say normal, but, you know, we've kind of been conditioned to go, you go to school, you know, you go to university, you get a job, blah, 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 right? It's all laid out for us. Um, but we're so used to having that reward system. I think that people are lacking, uh, I would say myself included sometimes, uh, that intrinsic motivation for your own reward. Like, why do you want to do it? You know, we've been instilled that somebody, you have to do it because first of all, you've been told to, you need to do it and do the best you can because this other person wants you to. And, and I think, yeah. And I think the flip side of that honestly is that, that sometimes we're motivated by fear, right? That we, we fear like, um, and I mean, I've seen it, I can remember in college, you know, this one girl that was in my sorority and she had been so successful throughout her whole life, you know, straight A student, you know, honor society, everything. She was the president of the sorority and she took the um, entrance exam for law school and she didn't do well. And she had a nervous breakdown, <laughs> you know, because I think that her image or her identity was so tied up in being a high achiever that when she didn't 
achieve, she didn't, she, I, I really think it shook her true identity, you know, like who am I am if I'm, if I'm not going to go to a top law school. Um, it's, it's very, it's very, very interesting. But, you know, when I'm talking about that external validation, it's important for us to get back in touch with our own inner wisdom and what is interesting and exciting to us as human beings. You know, I, I really believe that, you know, we become, you know, we trade off some of that identity for the rewards of, of the business world, right? That we're saying, okay, I'm going to come in and I'm going to step into this box, which is a job description. It doesn't, it doesn't fully encompass who I am as a person. And quite often I know people feel like they're having to, you know, be that square peg in the round hole, meaning that they have to shave off part of who they are to fit in. And, um, you know, there's a lot more to us and we can, we can step fully into who we are and start to assure ourselves that, you know, I'm okay the way I am. And if I'm working someplace that is not going to allow me to be that, maybe it's time for me to look for something that's a better fit for me. And I I do think that it starts with, you know, affirming yourself. You know, we, we're all here for a reason. You know, I, I just, and, and a lot of times I see that when people are not happy at work, they start to think that there's something wrong with them. And a lot of times it could be a couple things. It could be that the way that they're showing up isn't empowering them to be more effective. So they could learn different ways of showing up. But, but I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that there aren't toxic work environments. There are. There absolutely are. And a lot of times when I'm working with people, that's, that's one of the first things that we have to determine is, you know, if you're not feeling like things are right here, like what's at the heart of the issue? You know, is it that it's a good company, but you're not in the right role? Is it that you're in the right role, but you need to develop some skills for you to be more effective in your role? Or is it just not a good situation? And no matter what you do, nothing's going to change. You know, if that's the case, and then you probably do need to start thinking about what your exit strategy is. Yeah. And and I think that can be related to feeling like you can't leave something is related to we're talking about that overachieving kind of uh, mindset. It's like, well, if I leave, I'm failing, right? I'm giving up. And the the failing thing is interesting to me when we talk about it like this, because if you really think about it, if you're an overachiever, you should be excited to fail almost because that's how you're going to learn and get so much better. Yeah. Yeah. But we don't see it that way. Right. We don't. Well, I mean, I think that, you know, when you were talking about um, the education system, you know, I, I think that it, it has caused some unintended consequences, right? Because it's, it, it's really caused people to sort of like get, feel like they have to step into a box rather than recognizing that, you know, there, there's a lot more to them and there's a lot of other things that they could be doing besides just being in that box. Um, oh, I was thinking there was something else I wanted to say and I kind of lost my train of thought, but there's so much that I could say, I could talk about this topic, um, all day long. Oh, I know one thing I wanted to say was that, um, sometimes when people come to me, I'll say like, you know, what is it that you want? And often they'll say, I don't know what I want. You know, I feel, I feel like, 
I just don't feel right here and I don't know what I want. But then a lot of times they'll say, well, I do want this, but I can't have it because of this, right? Like I really want to quit my job, but I can't do that because, you know, I'll end up on the street, right? And I always say to people like separate those two things. If you even have an inkling that you know what you want, allow that thought to live without trying to kill it. <laughs> you know, like say, okay, sometimes people say like, oh, I want to do this, but I'm too old to go back to school or I have to go to back to school to do this or whatever. And I'm like, listen, if you want to do that, let it live, like nurture it. You don't have to do it right now, but don't tell yourself all these reasons why you can't do it. Because the separate from what you want is how you're going to get there. These are separate. They're not the same thing. Um, and sometimes if you allow that to live and you start really thinking like, well, if that was possible, like, what are some ways I could do that? Who could I talk to that might know who's doing that? Right. Cause there are lots of people out there doing the thing that you would like to do. And, you know, I, I'll tell people like, if you think you want to do that, find somebody who's doing it and talk to them. Just ask them like, how did you get started? What do you like about it? What are, you know, what are things that you didn't know that you wish you knew before you got started? What advice would you have for somebody that wants to get started doing that? It doesn't mean you have to like up and quit your job the first moment that you give a little breath to that desire. Sometimes allowing that desire to live will allow you to tolerate the situation that you're in a little bit longer because you'll feel like there's hope. There's a possibility. Yeah. hundred percent. I was just going to say, it's so interesting to me that exactly what you said there was something we talked about on the previous episode and we we're talking about visualization and he said, finding what you want to do. Let's say it's, it's just a goal. Like you want to lose weight or you want to fix your health in some way. There's somebody out there on the planet for literally everything that somebody else has already done it. And we, we had this entire conversation yesterday and, but it, it just really drives home the point that that's, I mean, that's what you need to do. I mean, people are, I think we've found we, as, as humans, largely for many kind of re many reasons like social media and the internet and stuff, but we've forgotten that like, we're, we're supposed to communicate with each other. Like we're social beings. I mean, and we want to help generally, I don't want to assume, but most people want to help you. And, and it's hard to kind of get over that. Especially people that, you know, people like talking about themselves, believe, me. <laughs> you know, like I, and I, as somebody that helps people, yeah. you know, also in job search, you know, I think the best way to get a job is by networking. And it's something that people feel really, really awkward about. And I, you know, I just tell them like, okay, first of all, if you're approaching somebody to have a conversation, do it with curiosity and gratitude. And you don't, approach somebody and say, Hey, do you have a job for me? <laughs> right. You approach them and say, you know, what you're doing looks really interesting, or I admire your company, whatever it is, something that's very genuine. And, you know, just say, I'd like to talk to you. Right. And you just have like an open-ended conversation about whatever you're interested in or curious about. And, you know, really with more of an objective of getting to know that person as a person, and, and learning about them and their perspective and their situation, not about, you know, going for the kill, like, hey, do you have a job for me? Because even if somebody did have a job, that's not a good way to go about it, right? Like you, things happen through people, right? So build relationships. So people know, like, and trust you. 
And if an opportunity comes along that they'll think like, oh, that Harrison, he, we had such a great conversation and I got to a glimpse of what he's about. Maybe he might be interested in this or he might know someone, you know, yeah, because we have, you know, like work and, and jobs or things like anybody really for lots of things, anybody, you could just another person can fill that position, but people want to, we're working with other humans, right? Like, so you want to be, that's the important part. And I think people can forget that I've definitely forgotten it. And, and it's, it's easy to, cause you get so focused on when you do figure out what the things are you value. I want this. So I'm going to just focus all my time and energy into this, but just to go, whoa, like who, uh, who are the people that are making that happen? Who do I have to talk to? Like if you focus, I've tried to do this in my life recently is why I'm kind of talking to it because if you focus on the relationship with the person, the other stuff will come. Right. It'll, yeah. It's the yeah. only way it can come, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because like, uh, and I, I think that there's actually an interesting parallel between what we were talking about at school and also the way that, you know, a lot of people look for, for jobs through the job boards that we'll think to ourselves like, Oh, well, that's the official formal way of getting a job is to go on to LinkedIn or to indeed, or one of the other job boards and, you know, like officially go through the online application process and all of that kind of stuff, you know, that's just, that's just the interface, right? There are people on the other side of that. Right. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of times you can, you can kind of circumvent those systems because there's a lot of issues, which I won't go into a, a lot around that, but there's a lot of problems with those systems that, you know, they'll screen out qualified people. And if, you can somehow find somebody in the company that says, oh, yeah, I know the hiring manager. I'll just forward your resume onto them. A lot of times that gets to the hiring manager before something that comes through the system does, because that has to go through layers and HR and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, it's people hiring people to do jobs working with people. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's all about people. Yeah. I think that's a big thing that we forget. It, it reminds me of, and I don't know this is a statistic, maybe you do, but like the percentage of, of people hired through like applications like that and the percentage and people hired through relationships is like drastic. Do you know what I'm talking? Is there a... Yes, I do know what you're talking about. And I've heard different statistics, but it's something crazy like, you know, 80% of jobs are not listed. And I will tell you as a hiring manager, if I could find somebody who was a qualified candidate and be able to avoid the, you know, rigmarole and red tape of going through my HR system, I would do it. I did always have to post the positions, but I would be putting the word out on my network to say, Hey, do you know of somebody that would be good for this role? Because hiring is risky. And I've made some hiring mistakes in the past where people looked really good on paper and they interviewed well, and they were a nightmare. Um, and then once somebody, you get somebody in, it's hard to, you know, let them go, right? Because there's legal issues and that kind of thing. And, and it can really, it can really mess things up. It can really hurt the reputation of the department and the company if the person's not performing. So if I, I mean, I've also hired people who worked with really good people on my staff at other companies, you know, and I'd say, Hey, do you know anybody? Oh yeah. Somebody at that I worked with at my old company is looking for a job. Those are the best, right? Because, you know, that person on my staff is not going to recommend them unless they, they would feel comfortable working with them again. And then if that person that is on my staff is really good, I can 
extrapolate that this other person's good too, because most people don't want to associate with somebody who, you know, has drastically different views of what a, you know, good work ethic is. Yeah. It's so interesting to hear you say that from, from your past, you know, history and what you've done. I mean, you, you were the, you were the person that people are trying to, you know, present to, right. And, and, and to hear that, um, as somebody that was used to be in that position that you it's, it's about the relationships. And I hear it all the time and networking is kind of like a buzzword a little bit, you know, in the world, but whatever you want to call it, let's just say building relationships. I mean, I don't think that's what it is. And and I think that that that's actually a better way of, I I can remember when I was, you know, probably in my twenties and, you know, it was just raring to go. I really wanted to move up the corporate ladder, (laughs) you know? And I remember people saying like, Oh, you should get a mentor and you, you should, uh, you know, network. And I was like, I, I don't know how to do any of this, right? I, I don't know what networking is. I, I kind of, what I thought networking was, was like going into a ballroom full of strangers <laughs> yeah. uh, with like trying to juggle my business cards, a glass of wine and a thing of hors d'oeuvres and be able to hand my business card out and shake hands and have small talk, right? And that just felt so horrible and fake. And, you know, very little actually comes out of those kind of networking events. But, you know, my my perspective on networking has shifted tremendously. And, you know, I'll advise people that, you know, you have a job right now, get LinkedIn with every single person that you work with right now at your job. Because And people will say, well, why? Because I see them every day. And I'm like, there'll be a day when you don't see them. You're going to go your way. They're going to go their way. And those people that you've worked with and know you are part of your network and they will help you in the future. You know, I'm actually working with a client right now. I mean, this is kind of crazy. Um, who is the nephew of somebody that I met at my first job when I was 22 years old. And she, she hired me to coach her. And then, you know, like a year and a half later, she called me and said, you know, my, my brother's son, is having, you know, I don't know, he's having some issues with what comes next in his career. And so I got introduced to the nephew and I'm working with him right now. You know, it's it's like, okay, wow. You know, did I know that, you know, 30 years later that somebody that was, you know, a 23 year old in another department (laughs) was going to send me business? No, I didn't know that, but I, I kept in touch with her just because we were, we were friends, you know, she lives in a different city than I do now. But, um, and I've had that happen with some other, um, business, like from a, you know, people that I've worked with at other jobs have hired me. Um, and you know, they didn't know that I would be doing this, but we got to know each other, you know, and it, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier about the no like, and trust factor that, you know, if you can allow yourself to be seen, and, you know, you show up authentically so people can really know you and you're consistent. You do what you say you're going to do that. Can, you know, that's how people learn to trust you. Um, you know, I think that sometimes in the workplace, um, we may say, say to ourselves that we have to show up in a different way than who we really are. And, and I mean, you probably, I mean, I think all of us have probably worked with somebody like that, that they just don't quite seem authentic. Right. Because maybe they're playing a role and they're not allowing much of, you know, their true self to be seen. And, you know, that that can really get in the way of, you know, people feeling 
good about that person. And, you know, as somebody who sees the the other side of that, when I'm coaching someone, you know, a lot of times they do feel like they've got to defend themselves. Oh, I can't show up as I, I truly am because I'm going to be criticized or something like that. But there's a cost to, you know, faking it too. For sure. I think uh, it's really interesting. You're talking about, um, we're talking about networking and, and getting to know people and stuff, but you don't, like you say, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think that's the thing to focus on. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. So you're setting yourself up by doing this stuff. I mean, you're setting yourself up for who, who knows what. I mean, you could end up working with Beyonce for all we know, right? Like, you, Yes, absolutely. You know, there, you, you probably heard of that, you know, what is it? Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. It does not take too long to connect yourself with pretty much anybody in the in the world, right? Because, you know, you're going to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And, you know, the more that you open yourself up to having those kind of conversations, the more possibilities you have. I, I would love to share a couple of examples of where I've seen people, you know, start to accept that perhaps the thing they want is possible and how it happens so quickly. Would you like to hear this? Yeah, for sure. I love this stuff <laughs> okay. because I'm kind of in that position at the moment. And, and, uh, I've had some, you talking about the, first of all, anybody that doesn't know what the, I don't know what it's called, but the like Kevin Bacon thing is, is basically like how many people are there between you and Kevin Bacon? It could be any celebrity or person, but it's less people than you'd think is basically all. So anyway, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear this. Yeah. So I have, uh, I, I had a client that I worked with uh, two or three years ago and he, worked for one of the big four accounting firms in the U S and these are, these are huge companies. You know, they have hundreds of thousands of, um, employees and, you know, they usually pay pretty well. They, they hire from the best business schools and stuff. And, you know, he became an accountant because his dad, he didn't know what he wanted to do. And his dad was like, well, accounting is a good profession. So he became an accountant because he's smart, not because he had any love for it. And he was successful. He was definitely one of those successful, but not satisfied kind of people. And when it came to me, he was like, you know, I just, I, I feel like I'm more creative than this. And I just kind of feel like I'm, you know, dying on the vine in this, in this role. And I want something different. And, uh, so he had been applying for jobs at like startups and stuff. And personally, I felt like that was probably going to be like way too far of a leap. You know, I don't think most like tiny little startups are going to hire somebody that comes from a big four, um, just especially not through like the job boards. And I said, why don't you start, uh, why don't you start networking? Just start having conversations with people, you know, and just see like very open-ended conversations. Well, his, um, somebody in his network introduced him to somebody who was a partner in a regional accounting firm, just a coffee. There was no job on the table at all. And as they were having the conversation, I think that, you know, as he described it, the, the partner's eyes were kind of getting wider and wider as, as they were having the conversation. And by the time that they finished with the coffee, the partner suggested that my client join their firm. And this is the reason why my client had worked in a, a specialty area of accounting at the big accounting front place. And he didn't love it, but he was an expert in it. And this other firm did not have that specialty and they had been thinking about starting it up. They also were top heavy and bottom heavy, meaning that they had a lot of junior associates at the firm and they had a lot of like 50 year old um, partners. And my client was in his early thirties. 
So he could come in at that middle level and mentor the, the junior guys. Um, they were going to allow him to get involved in all kinds of other things like business development, starting up this accounting specialty, mentoring, even um, business development. And this really appealed to him because he was like, okay, now finally I'm going to go into work and it's not going to be just like, you know, all day long working in this one area of accounting. I had, it's opening up my whole world. And so I just thought that was, I remember when he called me and told me this, I was, I was delighted. I don't know that this stuff's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know anything's going to happen. Right. But I think that there's going to be possibilities when this happens. And then the other example I have is someone who is a client and he, uh, he worked in marketing and he worked for a small digital marketing agency that was owned by a couple that apparently were having marital difficulties. And so the agency was like, not a comfortable place to work. Right. Um, and so, and it also, this guy's background was a little bit unusual. So he was very, very talented, but if you looked at his resume, he probably wasn't going to make it through the applicant tracking systems. He'd probably get screened out because he had an unusual background, but you know, fantastic guy. And I said, okay, let's, let's like do a little bit of a 360. Look around yourself and say, who knows you well and knows the kind of work that you do? And he realized that one of the clients of the agency loved him. Like they just absolutely loved him. So he set up a, you know, just like a, it, I think it was during COVID. So it wasn't like in-person coffee, but you know, just a conversation with somebody. And he just said, I'm, I'm starting to think about the next chapter of my career. And I just wanted to chat with you about, you know, if you had any ideas or whatever. And they were like, you know what, we're actually going to be hiring. And I think you'd be a great fit for the, for the role. And he ended up starting work there like three weeks later. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, so we are surrounded by opportunities and, you know, pulling back the blinders, starting to reach out and make connections and let our desires be known. It doesn't have to be like, you know, Hey, I need this right now. It can just be like, Hey, if you, you know, if you hear of anything, let me know. Or these are the kind of things I'm interested in. You know, what ideas might you have for me about, you know, how I might be able to achieve this? You know, people love to be needed. And as long as we're not needy, you know, it, it, that we allow it to be their choice to help us, um, it, you know, that, that is a really beautiful way to begin a relationship with someone. And I guess there's two caveats here. One is that um, even if you're sort of like a junior person and you're talking to somebody that's an executive or whatever, that when you're networking, always make it reciprocal meaning that ask them, is there anything I can do for you? And I know that it can be really awkward for, you know, somebody's in college and they're talking to a 50 year old executive. It feels weird to ask that, but you never know what somebody might need. And I'll just, an example could be that you could be at university at the same place that that guy's or girl's daughter got into. Right. And they might say, well, Hey, would you mind having a, a quick FaceTime with my daughter to, you know, talk to her about what it's like going to school there, right? You just don't know. Or they could say, like, what's a good pizza place in your town? I'm coming there next month. Um, and then the, the, um, the, there was another thought that I had about that. I'm probably going to, okay, sorry. <laughs> I get so, I get so caught up in my no, ideas. Okay. It'll come to me. It'll come to me, Harrison. <laughs> this is so, so great though. I'd like to try to 
try to wrap her up here, but I want to hear before we do that about your book and um and then share with the people where they can find you and all that kind of stuff because this has been an incredible conversation. I'm sure people are going to want to check out your stuff. So, but yeah, talk about the a book a, book a little bit because I'd love to hear. Yeah, my book is called Winning the Game of Work: Career, Happiness, and Success on Your Own Terms, and it really started out as a blog when I was uh, getting ready to leave my job. I was I was kind of like, okay, I was thinking back over all of the lessons that I had learned, and you know, I really wanted to do sort of like what my mentor had done and. Sorry, you might hear my dog. She's like barking. <laughs> okay. She's dreaming and barking in her sleep. Um, but I wanted to sort of pull back the curtain for people a little bit so that they could understand what was really going on around them at work. So I told a lot of stories from my own career, and I also interviewed uh, a lot of people about their careers because a lot of times you can, you know, look at somebody who's successful and just assume that they sort of got on this escalator to success and they, they never you know, fell into any pitfalls or anything like that. And, you know, I came across a lot of people who were incredibly successful, who had some, you know, had been fired multiple times or had faced sexual discrimination. And I found their stories really um, inspirational. So I wanted to share those. And then I have exercises um, in the book too, to help people start to, you know, discover their own values or get at what's holding them back so that they can start making progress towards uh, what what they'd like to do in their careers. So it's a bit of a maybe kind of a guidebook to sort of start seeing work as the game that it is and learning the rules so that you can start winning. Yeah, I love that. And and not not making it making it something you enjoy too, right? Along the along the way, yeah. obviously. So it's it, it actually gets to be fun when you start figuring out how to have influence within the workplace yeah. um, that my book is available uh, worldwide on Amazon. Perfect. Yeah. I'll put all the, all the links to everything in the show notes and, and how to contact you and everything. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Hey everybody. Thanks so much for listening this far in the episode. You made it to the end. Congratulations. <laughs> and if you like this episode and you want to check out more of what uh, Terry has to offer, you can, uh, well, you can check out her podcast. If you want to go to the website, you can find it on everything. It's uh, Marketing Mambo. If you want to go to the website, it's marketingmambo.net. Uh, her book, you can find her book all over, right? It's called Winning the Game of Work. Uh, career, happiness, and success on your own terms. You can find it all over, wherever you get books. And uh, you can check out Terry on Instagram at I underscore am underscore coach underscore Terry. All right. You can find her there. She's uh, Terry B. McDougal, LinkedIn, Facebook. Find her all over the place. All that stuff's going to be down in the show notes too. And if you enjoyed the podcast, this episode, the Let's Talk About Life podcast, you can give us a review. That'd be great on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't, that's okay too. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. Keep loving life. We'll chat with you later. For more information about this episode or the show itself, head on over to HarrisonKingOfficial.com. There you'll be able to find the show notes, transcriptions, and videos for every episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk About Life Pod. Now get out there and have a deep, meaningful conversation in your own life. We'll chat with you next time.